You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. Open your Bible. John chapter 14 is the place that I will meet you in in just a moment. As we've said this morning, last week we kicked off a series as we look for the explanation of the Holy Spirit in the Holy Scriptures. And we began with this verse in the Old Testament, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I have really leaned on that verse this morning as, as I've been battling a cold all week long. I haven't had a whole lot of might, haven't had a whole lot of power, but it has caused me to lean into the Holy Spirit. And uh, I want to remind you, as we go through this, our goal in this series is not just to study the Holy Spirit. Our goal is to experience the Holy Spirit. So we're not here to make you into a Holy Spirit Bible fathead. Uh, we are here to get you to engage with the person that is the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's a challenge for me as a preacher. I have given my life to bringing clarity to the Word of God. And yet uh, there is a paradox between the clarity of the Holy Bible and the mystery that is the Holy Spirit. And we can get so concerned with the clarity that we miss some of the mystery. So we don't want to make that mistake. We want to embrace the clarity of the Holy Bible without losing the mystery of the Holy Spirit. So I want to give you the big idea of the message here this morning. Here it is. God has provided helpless people all the help they will ever need to live as God intended in a troubled world. Now, I want to give you an opportunity here to actually dismiss yourself from the service. I don't want to waste your time. This message, particularly this morning, is only for people who experienced trouble this week. Okay, so if you did not experience any trouble, you may now get up and leave. I don't want to waste your time. This is not, not a message for you. As a matter of fact, this message is only for helpless people. So all of you people that are really good at helping yourself, you can go do something else for the next hour or so. This is only for helpless people. So I'll give you a few seconds to leave. Three, two, one. Oh, we have a group of helpless people in the room right now. All right. Now, I am serious about this because a lot of times when we think about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the way we look at it is the way that I look at my son, Scott, when Andrea tells me we've got company coming over for dinner. When Andrea says we've got company coming over for dinner, Scott and I go into action because it is our job to put the leaves in the dinner table. Are you familiar with this concept? You have a dinner table. Our dinner table normally sits about um, six people, but when there's people coming over for dinner, you have to expand it to make it as big as possible. This is not a one-man job. It is impossible to pull the table apart with one person. You have to have me on one end, Scott on the other end, pull it apart, put the leaves in, shove it back together. I've tried to do this myself. I just put dents in the wall, okay? It doesn't work. It's, but when we view the ministry of the Holy Spirit, if you think that the help of the Holy Spirit is like you on one end of the table and the Holy Spirit on the other end of the table and he just kind of supplies about half of what you can't do by yourself, that is not the way we view the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
the ministry of the Holy Spirit as a helper is for helpless people. You will never know the power of the Holy Spirit until you understand how helpless you are. Now, in order to illustrate this, I saw a video this week that made me think of my relationship with the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, are you familiar with an escalator? You know what an escalator is, right? Now, um, some people, they view an escalator as not something that actually just takes you to the top, but it's something that takes you to the top faster, which means some people, they, they run up the escalator. Have you, have you ever been run over by somebody that's like running over you on the escalator? You just want to turn and be like, just let the holy, just let the escalator take you. You'll get there. But they feel like they've got to help the escalator out. Now, I want you to watch this video because this is a picture of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. In the video, I am the man and the Holy Spirit is the escalator. Watch this. Yeah, see, the man is not contributing anything to this situation, okay? He doesn't need to work on it. He's going to get there eventually, all right? Now, now what that is is a picture of sanctification. That is about how much you contribute to your relationship with God, okay? But if you will just simply get in the Holy Spirit, he will get you where you need to go. He is the helper. I am the helpless one. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you are helpless. And then turn back to him and say, but the good news is you have a helper. God has provided helpless people all the help they will ever need to live as God intended in a troubled world. So if you need some help and you are troubled, this message is for you. We're going to learn three ways the Holy Spirit helps us this morning. And we're going to begin uh, by this concept, the Holy Spirit helps hearts that are troubled. I want you to see it from John 14, beginning in verse one. If you're there, say, I'm there. Verse one, let not your hearts be troubled. Underline that word troubled in verse one. Let not your hearts be troubled. Now this is Jesus speaking to his collective disciples. Why would he think that their hearts would be troubled? Because about what he's about to tell them. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And yet there was a remedial disciple named Thomas who apparently did not pass the quiz on where Jesus was going because in verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What was so troubling, Thomas? Why were the hearts of the disciples fearing and trembling? It was simply this. 
There is no trouble like losing someone that you love. I'm looking into the faces of people here who have, have had the troubling experience of losing a father, a mother, a son or a daughter, a friend, a lover, a life partner, husband, wife. It's the deepest trouble of our hearts is losing someone that we love. And yet what Jesus is announcing to these disciples is, I'm leaving you. I'm going away. And in their hearts, they were troubled because for three years they had grown to love him. They had given their lives to follow him. They had left everything to follow him. And now he's telling them he's going away. And they must have thought, how are we going to do life without you? How are we going to learn without you? How are we going to have relationship with God without you? How are these, these, this, how's this ministry going to continue without you? Don't you understand, Jesus? The world needs help and you're leaving. Their hearts were troubled. And the same thing that they were experiencing is what our hearts experience when we are disconnected from the Holy Spirit within us. How many of you have a dog that lives in your house? You have a dog? How many of you, like, some days you think this is a good idea, and some days you are convinced this is a bad idea, right? And yet you love it too much to kill it, so he survives <laughs> another day. This is the relationship that we have with our dog. We have a dog. His name is Murray. This is Murray. I knew you'd say that, okay? That's Murray on his best day, all right? That, that's, that's the best thing Murray does, actually, is right there. That's his best thing. He's cute, he's cuddly, he's wonderful, he's a little dog, and he loves to see us. When we come home, he comes racing and does circles around us, and he's just so glad to see us. And, and I remember when, when, I, when I bought this dog at the pet store down at the mall, um, the, the owner said to me, he said, look, this is a great dog. You're going to love the dog. You should buy the dog. But you do need to know one thing. This particular breed of dog, a Havanese, has, has one thing about, that you need to know. He has attachment issues. Okay? He loves you so much, it's very difficult for him to see you leave. It creates emotional trauma when you're not in the home. Now... When we leave the home, Murray gets so upset that he actually takes vengeance upon us <laughs> for leaving him alone. The last time that Murray was left alone, this is what happened. That's what I said when I came home. The dog has attachment issues, okay? He has a troubled heart when he's left alone, all right? The dog is destructive when he's left alone. And so are disciples of Jesus Christ. The most dangerous individual is a Christian who tries to do life alone. You destroy everything. And you create more trouble because you have a troubled heart. 
And Jesus looked at his disciples and he wanted to make sure they understood that even though he was going away, he wasn't leaving them alone. When I'm left alone or I think I'm left alone, I experience trouble. Now, for everybody in here, we can take a survey. There's, there's financial trouble in here. How many of you have some financial trouble? Financial trouble? Yeah, yeah. And anybody have any relational trouble? Marital trouble? Yeah. I know, you're just like my wife. If you knew, we, we, or my husband, he's like, yeah, but it's together, right? So, so there's that. We, anybody have any physical trouble? Any health trouble in here? All right, so we've got all of that. The Holy Spirit can help you with all that, but can I tell you the main trouble the Spirit wants to help you with? It's your spiritual trouble. Here's what Jesus is saying. He knows that we are destructive when we try to do life alone because of these things. I have trouble believing God. That's what he says in verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then down in verse 6, it's one of the most famous verses in the New Testament. And Jesus says this. If, if you want your heart not to be troubled, then you have to understand I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus says, I am the truth. But I don't know about you. I have trouble believing truth. I have trouble believing God. I, I, I sometimes am allergic to truth and I'm attracted to lies and myth and I get deceived. In this world, I have trouble believing God. Anybody need a little help believing God? Am I the only one? You need a little help? Jesus knew that. He said, not only am I the truth, he said, I am, I am the way. But the problem is, is I have trouble following God. I have trouble following Jesus. And he says, I'm the way. I need a little help trying to follow God. And again, I have trouble living for God. Jesus said, I am the life. I should live as Jesus lived. I should live the life that Jesus lived. I don't know about you, I need a little help in that. I have trouble living the life that God wants me to live. And then I have trouble knowing God. I'm just like Thomas in this story. Now, wait a minute. You said, I know where you're going. And I'm not quite sure that's true. It's I've never been there. I've, are, are there pictures? Is there a YouTube video? Is there, is there a brochure we could see on where you're going? And you want me to believe you and follow you and know you? He goes on in verse uh, uh, 50, Thomas has a friend here um, that we're going to find out. Jesus says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him. How is that? And you've seen him. Verse 8, Philip, another troubled disciple, said to him, Lord, show us the father and it's enough for us. Don't you feel like that sometimes? Like if, if the Holy Father, if Father God could just kind of physically manifest himself in our presence, I feel like that'd be enough to get me through at least 24 hours of following him and knowing him and believing him. Anybody like that? But that's really not a great idea. And Jesus says, look, you've already seen the Father because you've known me. Asking for the Father to manifest himself is not a great idea. And Jesus knew it for Philip's own protection. He didn't answer that request. The reason is because 
God would melt Philip's face off if that was to happen. God is too holy to see, be seen by unholy eyes. And so Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so in verse 10, he says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And so Jesus lets them know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You have all the help you need, believing God, following God, living for God, and knowing God, if you've seen Jesus. That's a problem. You know why? Nobody in this room has seen Jesus. We don't live in the same time period Jesus lived. We don't live in the same geographical territory Jesus lived. We are 2,000 years removed from being physically with Jesus. That's why we have trouble believing God, following God, living for God, and knowing God. But here's the good news. Jesus knows our hearts are troubled if we don't have the presence of God with us, and so he's going to leave us a helper. If we took everybody in the room, there's probably 600 people in here right now, if we took everybody and lined you up and ranked you based on your level of trouble, how many of you feel like you'd be at like the front of the line on that? People here that need the most help. Anybody's like, I think I, I qualify. I'm looking around the room. These people don't need, they, they don't need much help. I qualify. If you feel like you'd be in like the upper 10%, I got good news for you. The person here that is in the most trouble and who needs the most help has the greatest opportunity this morning to experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. If your heart is troubled, God has provided all the help you need to live this week in the midst of a troubled world. That's great news. We're all in trouble, and yet every disciple of Jesus Christ has all the help they need. Here's the second thing we need to learn about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit ex helps us experience God's presence. The Holy Spirit helps us experience God's presence. I want you to look at verse 16. This is the key verse for us this morning. Jesus is about to teach us where the help comes from. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Do you see it? I want you to underline the word helper. Another helper to be with you forever forever. 
even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He dwells with you and he will be in you. Hey, if you've come to Harvest for very long at all, I don't know if you know it, we talk a lot about Jesus. We're a very Christ-centered church. We talk about the teaching of Jesus, but even more importantly than that, we talk about what Jesus did on a cross, in my place, as a substitute for my sin. Jesus absorbed the wrath of God, the hatred that God has for sin, so that all those who repent and believe can be reconciled with God. That is the message we hear. That is the message that we preach. And not only that, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. You should see the mess we make around here on Easter. I mean, we get excited about the power of the resurrected Lord and the fact that he didn't stay on the cross. He didn't stay in the grave. He came out to prove that he was a conquering, victorious Savior. A dead Savior can't save anybody. He rose again, and that same resurrection power that brought him out of the grave can bring you out of your spiritual grave if you will repent and believe. Anybody ever heard that message around here? If you come very long at all, somebody's like, that's the first time. Well, then you haven't been coming very long, all right? And you need to repent and believe. You need to believe that message right now in your own heart. You can be born again and you can experience that resurrection power. But listen, do you understand that the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection power that Jesus displayed in coming out of the grave, none of that is accessible to you without the help of the Holy Spirit. Because all of that is ancient history to those of us that didn't live in the time and the place of Jesus. And yet Jesus, knowing that his 33 years on earth could impact the people that were physically around him at the time, he left a replacement so that the work of Christ on the cross and the power of his resurrection would not just be book knowledge, but it would be experiential, present power in people's lives throughout the centuries that would live after him. If you believe, if you know the power of the resurrected Christ, if the atoning work of Christ on the cross has, been, has set you free from sin in your life, it is because of the help of the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. Look at it in verse 16. He says, I will give you another helper. You see the word another there? It's an important word. The word another actually means another of the same kind. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit has all the attributes of personhood. The help is personal. The Holy Spirit has intellect. The Holy Spirit has emotion. The Holy Spirit makes choices. The Holy Spirit sins. The Holy Spirit opens doors and closes doors. The Holy Spirit prays. The Holy Spirit listens to prayers. The Holy Spirit answers prayers. The Holy Spirit speaks. And the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Some of you have a Star Wars theology of the Holy Spirit. 
You think he's just kind of the force. He's kind of out there somewhere. And if, if you're good, he pays attention to you. If you're bad, things go bad. That's, that, is, that is not the teaching of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is another of the same kind that Jesus is. Jesus promised to send another just like him. The Holy Spirit is someone who has the same nature as Jesus, the same values of Jesus, the same power of Jesus, the same authority as Jesus, and the same mission on earth as Jesus. That means that for you and I that didn't live in the time and space of Jesus, we can know Jesus through the Spirit of Jesus. Now, anytime you talk about the Holy Spirit, you have to understand that as Christians, we believe there is only one God. Is Jesus God? Is the Father God? Is the Holy Spirit God? Do we have three gods? No. We call this concept the Trinity. Now, the word Trinity is, is found nowhere in the Bible. That's a theological word that we, we put on something that we actually see all over the Bible. As a matter of fact, if you're paying attention, in verse 16, Jesus mentions all three persons of the Trinity. Verse 16, he says, I, who's that? That's Jesus. That's the second person of the Trinity. We'll ask the Father, who's that? Father God, that's the first person of the Trinity. And he will give you another well, now we have a third person of the Trinity. Theologians sum it up this way. It's the best we can do. God is three persons. Father, Son, and Spirit. Each person is God. Thank you for affirming that earlier. There is only one God. You say, that doesn't, I don't really, that's weird. Welcome to the theological world that is the Trinity. It's very hard to explain. I don't know that we can explain it. That's why there's mystery. And for those of us that have given ourselves to clarity, it's a paradox. That's about as best as we can do. But what it tells us is this. We in this year, in this Midwestern state, have as much access to God as Philip and Thomas did, who sat at the feet of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm sending you another of the same kind, and he is your helper. You see that word helper in verse 16? Some translations translate it a little different. Some say comforter. Uh, another translation says advocate, all good translations. But it's, it's hard to sum up. This is what it means. The actual word, the Greek word that's used there is the word parakletos. Turn to your neighbor and show them how impressive you are with your Greek and say parakletos. I'm a Bible fathead. Aren't you impressed with me? Parakletos, what does that mean? Here's what it actually means. It is one who comes alongside of. That's what it means, parakletos. One who comes alongside of. You say, I don't really understand what that means. Well, you may not understand parakletos, but you do understand what a paramedic is. You know what a paramedic is? How many of you have ever had the unfortunate um, situation where somebody had to call 911 because you were not in great shape. Anybody? 
Anybody? Most embarrassing moment of your life, most helpless moment of your life. It's like, but how many of you were glad that somebody had been prepared, trained, and available to come to you in your most helpless moment? Aren't you grateful for those people? I'm so grateful for those people. Listen, that's the Holy Spirit. He comes to you at your most helpless moment, and he is available to help you. You may not understand what a paracletos is, but you do understand what a parachute is. Now, if you are in a plane and the pilot has a stroke and the plane is running out of gas and the plane is going out and going down for a tragic ending, but if you have a parachute, you can survive the tragedy. You may not understand what a paracletos Claytos is, but you do know what a parachute is. And the Holy Spirit, if you will strap yourself to him, no matter what the tragedy in this world is, you're going to make it out of this alive. That is the hope of all the helpless people who have turned to the Holy Spirit as their helper. Jesus said, I'm sending you a paramedic. I'm sending you a parachute. I am sending you a paracletos. And the Holy Spirit will be your comforter. The Holy Spirit is a comforter that comes alongside of you when you're hurting, when you're experiencing loss, when you've sinned and you wonder, would God ever have anything to do with me? Can I be forgiven? The Holy Spirit comes alongside of you and he's your comforter. The Holy Spirit is your advocate that comes alongside of you when you're accused by the enemy. He becomes your defense attorney that steps in between the judge and the guilty and argues your case, not because you're good, but because Jesus is good. He becomes our advocate when the devil lies to you and tells you that God doesn't love you. When the devil tells you that you aren't qualified, that you're not smart enough, that you're not strong enough to be used by God in ministry, the comforter and the advocate steps in between the accuser and defends you. The Holy Spirit is your counselor that comes alongside of you when you're confused, when you don't know what to do, when you've been foolish, when you're digging your way out from under the rubble that has been your life because of the consequences of sin, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you and counsels you and leads you into repentance. He comforts you and counsels you. The Holy Spirit is your intercessor that comes alongside of you when you can't get in touch with God, when you don't know what to pray, or maybe you do know what to pray, but you're afraid to pray it. The Holy Spirit prays it for you anyway. He becomes your intercessor. And the Holy Spirit is your encourager. When you're defeated, discouraged, disappointed with yourself, and you feel like you can't do it anymore and you want to quit, the Holy Spirit is your encourager. It keeps you going. And the Holy Spirit is your teacher. Look down here at verse 26. But the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit's a teacher that comes alongside of you when you don't know how to live, when you need to learn how to love your husband, need to learn how to love your wife, you need to learn to 
raise your kids. You don't know, I don't know, I don't know how to teach them. I need you to teach me. The Holy Spirit comes along. He teaches you how to handle money. He teaches you how to be responsible. He teaches you how to be generous. He teaches you how to apply God's word. Now, think about how important this was for the disciples that lived before the printing press. How are they going to remember all that Jesus had taught them? The Holy Spirit said, I'm going to help you do that. That's great news. And because the Holy Spirit helped them remember, do you know what also we have to help us in the 21st century? We have the written record of what those disciples remembered that they wrote down for us. And now we've got a double barrel shotgun. We've got the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and we've got the Holy Bible, the Word of God in written form to remind us and to teach us of everything Jesus taught them. Look down at verse 26 of chapter 15. Let's keep going. It says, but when the Holy Spirit, uh, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. The job of the Holy Spirit is to communicate to you the words of Jesus and to communicate through you the words of Jesus which brings us to this thought. The Holy Spirit helps us multiply the mission of Jesus. The Holy Spirit does not have a different mission and purpose than Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. Look back up at John 14, verse 12. I read it for you earlier, but I want you to see it again because it didn't blow your mind the first time. It's got to blow your mind now. Verse 12. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, that means no one's hopeless, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. All right, now, at the, at the risk of having somebody's brain explode right here in the room, I want you to think about what Jesus just said. Jesus just said, you're gonna do the same works that I do. As a matter of fact, you are gonna do greater works than I've done. Let's take a survey here. Let somebody name something, one of the works that Jesus did. Just something that comes to your mind. What? Walk on water. Somebody else. Raise people from the dead. What else? Healing a blind man. I mean, we could go on about the works that Jesus did, and we're like, well, well, I don't, I'm, just, I'm, I'm thinking I might drown if I try to walk on water. He probably will. <laughs> so how can Jesus say, you're going to do the same works that I have done? What he's saying is, your mission is the same as my mission. What you should be doing every day is the same work that I've done every day. And Jesus says, you're going to do greater works. When we think about this, we need to understand the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not just to help us get our work done. Listen, for most of us, if you've had any teaching on the Holy Spirit at all, 
it's probably been to help to, to get you to think, you know what? If you rely upon the work of the Holy Spirit, you're going to turn that C into a B. I know you can do it. Your parents have probably preached this sermon before. I have. It's a good one. Um, I'll share my sermon notes with you if any of you would like it later. But that's not the main point of the Holy Spirit. Some of you say, man, if, if, if you'll rely on the Holy Spirit, I mean, you're going you're gonna to be more productive and your, your planning process will be better and maybe you can get a better job if you rely on the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, you know, all those physical issues that you have and the trouble with the neighbor and the trouble with the wife, if you rely on the Holy Spirit, it's going to go better. Most of us have been taught the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make our lives easier. That is not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. That's not the type of help that Jesus gave us in the Holy Spirit. We put it this way. Jesus did not send the Holy Spirit to help us get our work done. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to help us get his work done. And Jesus says, you're going to do greater works than me. How is that true? We have to think of it this way. The Holy Spirit helps us do greater works than Jesus, greater in quantity, not necessarily greater in quality. What's a greater work, raising somebody from the dead or raising someone from spiritual death so that they have spiritual and eternal life? Did you know that every person Jesus raised from the dead eventually got sick and died again? It was a temporary healing. Jesus says, if you are operating on mission with me, you're going to give people eternal life as they repent and believe the gospel. That's a greater work. He said, I'm not sure that's a greater work. Ask the dude a thousand years from now. Are you glad that Jesus gave you physical life for a few more years? Or are you glad that he gave you eternal life for eternity to live with God? I'm sure that guy would tell you, that's a greater work. Sin forgiven, home in heaven, forever with God, no hindrances to my worship. That's a greater work. That's the same mission that Jesus is on. That's the mission the Holy Spirit is on. And that's why he indwells us so that we can do his work. Skip over to chapter 16. I want you to look down at verse 7. Jesus is still teaching on the Holy Spirit. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You ever had the thought, man, I wish I could have been one of the disciples. I wish I could have been there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I wish I could have seen Peter try to walk on water and then laugh at him when he sunk. I wish I could have seen those things. I wish I could have sat on uh, the hill as Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount and take notes. I, I probably would have taken better notes than Matthew did. I, I could have added some detail in there. Anybody ever, man, I wish I could have, anybody, just be honest, I wish I could have lived when Jesus lived. Wish I could have been around him, heard him teach. Wish I could have seen him on the cross, seen him come out of the grave. Do you know what Jesus said? In that verse, he said, it is better for you, people who live in Granger, Indiana, in the 21st century, you have an advantage over Thomas and Philip and Peter and all those disciples. You know why? 
Because in Jesus' humanity, he was limited to only be in one place at one time. He could only deal with a limited amount of space and a limited amount of people in his humanity. But Jesus says, when I go away, my spirit is going to dwell with you and in you. And if there's a couple of billion Christians on the planet right now, do you know what that means? The work of Jesus is continuing through us. We experience the personal presence of Jesus, but we are now multiplying the mission of Jesus wherever we go. And so the Spirit indwells us so that we can get His work done. The Great Commission is to preach the good news to everyone. And yet it's not my job to convict somebody of sin. That, that is a relief to me. I've tried to convict you of sin. You just get mad at me. But you know what happens if the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin? You repent and believe. That's what he says here in verse 8. Look at it in, verse six, in chapter 16, verse 8. He says, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. When the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin, they, get, they understand sin is destructive, destroys my relationship with God, destroys my family, destroys my moral character, and, and the Holy Spirit convicts. And then he convicts of righteousness. There's a better way and of judgment that one day judgment is coming. All injustice will be dealt with. God will not leave any moral accounts unsettled. Every sin will be dealt with either on the cross, in Jesus, or one day in hell, in judgment. And in those hopes of the Holy Spirit, I can live victoriously over sin, a righteous life. This is what Jesus is saying. The Holy Spirit's help inside me is better than Jesus' help beside me. I have an advantage over those disciples. The Holy Spirit helps me, leads me, guides me, comforts me, encourages me, defends me in every way. Jesus was leaving these disciples a monumental task to take the gospel to the world. And yet, he left them no money. He left them no property. He left them no seminary to train pastors or missionary. He left them no printed leather-bound Bibles. He left them no Bible app. He left them no email, no social media apps, no television, no radio broadcast, no podcasting. He left them no strategic plan. He left them no project manager. And he left them no travel agents and said, go evangelize the world. How are they going to get that done? And yet, in a generation, they turned the world upside down. How did they do that? By the help of the Holy Spirit. Maybe a better question for us is this. Why aren't we getting that done? You know why? Because we are relying upon our seminaries and our church buildings and our Bible app and our printed leather Bibles and we are missing out on the greatest help available, the help of the Holy Spirit to accomplish and multiply the mission of Jesus Christ. A few chapters earlier in John chapter 7, Jesus said this. He used a word picture, an illustration. He says, if anyone thirsts, 
Let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You get the idea? You're thirsty. You come to Jesus. He quenches your thirst. And now you become a distributor, a fountain for the world so other people can get their thirst quenched. That's the mission of Jesus. But then he explains the word picture. He's like, let me tell you what I'm talking about. He says, now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now that was what was said to the disciples in Jesus' time. You and I live in the time where we have received the Holy Spirit. Every true disciple of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And he's not only quenched our thirst, he sent us on mission to quench the thirst of others. Jesus has been glorified. And the job of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Son. The Holy Spirit living inside of you now sends you to quench the thirst of a thirsty world. You're just simply like the Uber driver that Jesus calls up. It's like, meet me here, take me there. That's what we do every Sunday. We meet here and he sends us out there. The Uber driver, you just go where you're told to go. You've got one job, just do it. And the good news is all the help that helpless people will ever need has been given to live as God intended, in a troubled world. Has your thirst been quenched? Maybe you're thirsty this morning for more power from the Holy Spirit. Now listen, we're going to learn, if you are a disciple of Jesus, you've got all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get or ever going to need. But we constantly have to come back for filling and empowering and, and trusting so that he helps us believe. He helps us follow. He helps us to live as God intended in this world. I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes as we close here. And I'm going to open up this altar. Jesus taught us the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And I believe that even as God's word has gone out, the Holy Spirit's been doing his job to convict of sin. Some of you need to repent of the sin of self-reliance. Some of you need to repent of the sin of relying on strategy or personality or education rather than relying upon the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you just to slip out of your seat. If you need a fresh filling, if you need help this morning, I'm going to invite helpless people to get out of your seat and just come to this altar. As a matter of fact, with heads bowed and eyes closed, why don't we just stand together? This is a holy moment. If you're helpless, if you're troubled, I want to invite you just to come. Our pastors are here at the front. If you need somebody to pray with you, they're here. But maybe in a physical way, just to come, get on your knees, and just for a moment, pause everything, and just admit, Lord, I am helpless. I'm so tired. I'm thirsty this morning, and I need your help this morning.
give you a moment. You can just slip out of your seat and come. Just a way of humbling yourself. It takes a lot of humility to admit, I don't just need a little help. I am helpless. your seat, would you call out for a fresh filling from the Spirit? Holy Spirit of God, we are thirsty people. And as we've come to you to follow you, to believe you, to know you, to live for you, we've got trouble. Thank you for the help. And I do pray for the person that's at the front of the line, experiencing the most trouble, who needs the most help. I pray that today they would leave with the most encouragement, the most comfort, the most defense, the most leading. Lord, I pray for one here today where this may be brand new and there are people searching for a way to live. They're searching for a way to God. And I pray, God, that you would convince them by your spirit that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And there is no one, no one good enough, no one religious enough to have a relationship with the Father except by your spirit. Meet us in our thirst. And then, God, would you send us out to be on mission, doing exactly what you were doing on the day that you left. We want to do greater works, greater in quantity. 